Welcome to another episode of PeerPoint Academy's podcast. On this new episode, we'll talk about the basic approach to answer a consolidated statement of financial position question in the exam. And this is relevant to those who are writing ICANN's financial reporting and corporate reporting paper. <clears throat> there are key calculations that must be done when you are preparing a consolidated statement of financial position. And these key workings are goodwill, consolidated return earnings, and non-controlling interest. So when you are answering a consolidated statement of financial position questions, it is advisable that you follow this approach of preparing five basic steps which are linked to crucial calculations that must be made before you can start consolidating the statement of financial position of the parent and the subsidiary together. The first step is determining the group structure. Now, determination of the group structure is very important because it will enable you to understand the relationship between the parent and the subsidiary. This is will be quite feasible in the questions where the question can read that A acquired 80% of B, B acquired 65% of C, Mantrak acquired 75% of Shalom PLC. So, the group structure will enable you to understand number one, whether there is a control between the parent and the subsidiary, what type of relationship exists between them. Is it that of parent and subsidiary? Is it that of parent and associate? Is it that of parent and joint venture? Is it that of parent and any other form of investment? So it is very important uh, to prepare these basic steps by outlining what the group structure will look like. So by the time you understand the percentage ownership of the parent in the subsidiary, you will find out whether the subsidiary is wholly owned or is partially owned. If it is a wholly owned subsidiary, so it means the parent acquired 100% of the subsidiary. So in this case, there are no non-controlling interest. So your non-controlling interest will become zero, will become nil. But if it is a partially owned subsidiary whereby the parent purchase less than 100%, but more than 50%. Then in this case, you can have a partially owned subsidiary situation whereby the remaining portion of the share shares will go to the non-controlling interest. For example, if you read in the question that A acquired 80% of B, what does this mean? What's the implication of this? Number one, it means this is a partially owned acquisition whereby you have other minority shareholders referred to as 
non-controlling interest. So in this case, the parent owns 80% of B. So the minority interest or what we can refer to as the non-controlling interest actually owns 20% of the subsidiary. So that is how to determine the group structure. Now step two is to determine the net asset of the subsidiary. Now this step two is very important. So you need to exercise caution here because once you get the calculation of the net asset wrong, then it will trickle down into other steps that we're about to mention. And those other steps will also be wrong. And by the time you are preparing your consolidated statement of financial position, then the balance sheet will not agree. It will not balance simply because there is an error or there are errors in your calculations. So you must exercise caution in this at this second step. Now, in order to prepare the second step, you are determining the net asset of the subsidiary for two dates. Please remember that for two dates. The first date will be the acquisition date. That is the date when the subsidiary was acquired by the parent. And the second date will be at year end, which will be the reporting date. That is the date at which the parent is preparing the consolidated statement of financial position, which is their reporting date. So, the acquisition and the reporting date can be quite different. Okay? So, you need to know the two dates. The two dates will specifically be obvious in the exam questions. So, that is why reading the question very well is very important. So, you must be able to outline one after another the key things that you need in order to, for you to be able to prepare your consolidated statement of financial position. So, you have to create two columns now. The first column will be your acquisition date column and the second column will be your year-end column, which is your reporting date column. Now, what do we mean by net asset? Remember, at this second step, the net asset you are calculating, you are determining, is not the net asset of the parent, okay? It is the net asset of the subsidiary. Because it is the subsidiary you are trying to consolidate. You are trying to add up. By consolidation, it means you are trying to add the subsidiary's balance sheet with that of the parent in order to have a single balance sheet that is known as consolidated statement of financial position. Now, what is the definition of net asset? Okay, so the net asset will comprises of the ordinary share capital of the subsidiary, which you are taking in total. Remember, even if it is a partially owned subsidiary, do not multiply the percentage of the parent on the subsidiary on that ordinary share. No, because you want to get a whole view of the subsidiary net asset that is you want to see the net assets of, of the subsidiary 100% so you start with the ordinary share capital of the subsidiary now you put the ordinary share capital under acquisition date you also put the ordinary share capital under at year end now most of the time the figures or the values for the two dates will be the same except if 
the subsidiary has issued additional shares during the year, during the reporting year. That is, the subsidiary has issued another share after it has been acquired by the parent. So this is the only thing that can make the two date ordinary share capital values to be different. Other than that, then you expect to have ordinary share capital values for the same date. Now, the second one is share premium. If the subsidiary issued its shares at a premium, not at par, then you will have a share premium account. Now, the same thing goes for the share premium account. Now, the share premium account will be the same for the two dates, except if the subsidiary has issued another shares, additional shares after acquisition, which was also issued at premium. So, therefore, the two date figures will be different. Other than that, if there has not been any acquisition of shares at premium, any issuers of shares at premium by the subsidiary, then the share premium will also be the same. Then, followed by retained earnings. Now, retained earnings here, you have to be very careful. Retained earnings you will have on the acquisition date is the retained earnings value. Remember, retained earnings is a reserve account, so it's a cumulative account. So, retained earnings you will have at acquisition date is the retained earnings at the date of acquisition. So, you can see that clearly in the question where the examiner can tell you that A acquired 80% of B on so-so date when the pre-acquisition retained earnings or when the retained earnings balance was this amount. So that is the retained earnings at acquisition date. So this is the retained earnings balance that existed at the date when the parent acquired the subsidiary. So it is very important. So it's different from the retained earnings at year end. The retained earnings at year end will be the retained earnings balance at the reporting date. That is the date when you are preparing the consolidated statement of financial position. Then you have other components of equity as well, such as revaluation gain or surplus or revaluation deficit, whichever case it may be. So you have the figure for acquisition date and also at year end as well. Then fair value adjustment. Now we will talk later in another episode. Why do you need to have fair value adjustment? And the reason being that at the date of acquisition, it is the requirement of IFRS 3 business combinations to ensure that the subsidiary's assets are fair valued. What does this mean? It means that the subsidiary's assets and liabilities are to be remeasured by the parent to fair value. So fair valuation is governed by IFRS 13 fair value measurement. So this has to be done. And the reason being that is to ensure that the goodwill that will be calculated at the end of the day is actually at fair value. So you will have fair value adjustment, okay? So you have to calculate what the fair value adjustment is at the date of acquisition and what the fair value adjustment is at the year end. One thing you have to note is that your, the fair value adjustment for the two dates will be the same. 
So because if you are bringing the assets and liabilities up to fair value, then definitely you have to pass the adjustment. Remember, the net asset, the initial net asset of the subsidiary is already a carrying amount. So if you are taking it up to fair value, so it could be an upward fair value adjustment, which will be in form of a gain. It could also be a downward fair value adjustment, which will be in form of a deficit. So whichever case it may be, this has to be accounted for. Asset per asset. Now, depreciation on fair value adjustment. If you have depreciation on fair value adjustment, such as a non-current asset, because if you fair value non-current asset, so it is possible that the value will go up, and if the value goes up, then therefore there will be an enhanced depreciation. There will be an additional depreciation that you need to work to account for. And likewise, if the value falls due to the fair value adjustment, you also have to what account for the fall in the depreciation. Now, if the fa- if there is a upside on the fair value adjustment side especially for non-current assets and other assets as well such as intangibles there will be upward or upside also in depreciation on non-current asset and amortization of intangible asset and if this is the case you have to account for them as an as additional depreciation which will be in bracket and remember the depreciation of fair value adjustment will never affect the acquisition date net asset it will only affect the year-end net asset because you do the fair value adjustment at the acquisition date if there is an upper fair value adjustment in non-current asset and intangibles then definitely by the time you want to calculate the amortization and depreciation at year end definitely there will be an upsurge in the depreciation and in amortization so you have to account for the additional amortization and also the additional depreciation and if it is the opposite side that the fair value adjustment is a deficit therefore there will be a downfall a downward movement in the depreciation and amortization likewise then aside from that you have to account for any unrealized profit now the unrealized profit here will not affect acquisition date figure or net asset it will only affect at year end and the reason why you have unrealized profit is simply because even though the parent and the subsidiary are members of the same group in reality they are still separate entities that are meant to also trade with each other and if they trade with each other there is bound to be unrealized profit if you have unsold inventory now the unrealized profit on those unsold inventory which arise as a result of the transaction between the trading transaction between the parent and the subsidiary will also be accounted for and this will definitely affect the net asset of the subsidiary at year end so at the end of the day you sum up the net asset for those two columns at year end and also at acquisition date and that concludes your net asset so once you have been able to do this very well 
then the remaining steps will be fine. So this aspect or this step is very very important. So you have to take your time in as well as you have to also consider that your time in the exam is also limited as well. Then step three is the issue of goodwill calculations. So you have to have to calculate your goodwill as purchase consideration transferred as against what you acquired from the subsidiary. So if it is an, a wholly owned subsidiary, yeah, your purchase consideration will be against the net asset at acquisition. They remember goodwill is being calculated at the date of acquisition, not at year end. So according to IFRS 3, you have to compute goodwill at the date of acquisition. Okay, so if it's a wholly owned subsidiary, then your consideration, which amounts to the consideration you pay for the 100%, as against the 100% of the net asset. So if your purchase consideration is higher than the net asset acquired, then the difference will be accounted for as goodwill. But if you are looking at a partial acquisition situation, then if your purchase consideration is lower, than the net asset acquired, then you also have goodwill. So there are two types of goodwill here. So you, in the first case, you have a positive goodwill. In the second case, you have a negative goodwill. So we'll talk about goodwill later in proper. Then the last step here, the, the fourth step rather, is the issue of non-controlling interest. So you have to account for the other shareholders as well in case if it is a partially owned subsidiary but if it is a wholly owned subsidiary then there is no issue for non-controlling interest your non-controlling interest will be zero so the last step will now be the issue of retained earnings so you have to calculate the retained earnings that is the retained earnings balance that will be included in the group statement of financial position and this retained earnings will include the retained earnings in full of the parent and the share of the parent in the subsidiary post-acquisition profit. So we'll talk about post-acquisition profit also later, what it means and what is the implication of that profit. Then if you have impairment of goodwill, you have to take care of it as well. If you have unrealized profit made by the parent as a result of the trading relationship between the parent and the subsidiary, you also have to account for that as well okay so these are the five basic steps that you will need in order to consolidate a statement of financial position if this helps in your exams revision please share it with your friends and your colleagues till we meet again in the next episode bye bye